Today's episode is brought to you by the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. To learn more, visit usbank.com slash altitude go. As a traveler, it's a fact you're going to need to manage your spending in different currencies. You need a service that not only helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast, but also does it without the hidden fees or exchange rate markups. This is where WISE comes in. WISE is the easiest way to connect all of your finances internationally. I've been a customer for over a decade. It's been a lifesaver for me as a traveler, a nomad, and now a permanent resident abroad. If you're a traveler who's still using your regular bank, you need to check this out. Join 16 million customers and learn how the WISE account could work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com slash travel. That's wise.com slash travel. Thank you to WISE for supporting today's show. This episode of Zero to Travels brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. In a place where you're supposed to fit in, in a place where you're born into and you don't, traveling gives you the opportunity to feel at ease because wherever you go, you're not supposed to fit in there. You choose something and there's going to be turbulence no matter what. That's just life, I think. So, but where do you want to experience it? And I'd rather experience it creating life through my own choices versus feeling obligated in any way, shape or form to anything or anyone aside from myself. You just heard a couple clips from my interview today with Wanda Duncan. We had a wonderful wide-ranging conversation. And one of the themes that came up was this idea of fitting in as a traveler and not fitting in in your pre-travel life. Most people listening to this show maybe have some either aspirations or are living a bit more of an unconventional life or maybe have an unconventional mindset around travel where you're not going to limit yourself or you do not want to limit yourself to this idea of traveling just for a week or two every year, whether you want to have a home base and and travel, just add more travel into your life, or you want to go full nomad or somewhere on that spectrum, and you're probably thinking a little bit differently. And that's a good thing, because the definition of misfit is a person whose behavior or attitude sets them apart from others in an uncomfortably conspicuous way. Now, that part of the definition I don't necessarily agree with, but inside our heads, maybe outwardly, we we may not be misfits. I think the the visual you might get is somebody, you know, <laughs> walking in with pink hair and I don't know, goth clothing or something and they don't <laughs> fit in at all in this corporate setting. But if you don't feel like you fit in inside your head, if you know you're, as Wanda says in this interview today, she wasn't a, quote, cultural fit at her company when she was working at CNN, living the traditional life in Atlanta. She didn't feel like it was the right life for her. So how did she make the leap from that traditional work life to digital nomad life? She's been on the road for six years now. She's going to share that in this interview along with practical steps she took and her best advice for you. Also, some advice around getting rid of your stuff before you travel, should you get rid of everything or maybe just some of the things to keep a storage unit? It's always a debate there. She'll share her thoughts on that. The power of getting around like-minded communities, especially when you want something different than the mainstream. Her best piece of advice for getting things done on the road without burning yourself out or driving yourself crazy. Recommended destinations for slow travelers and nomads. 
plenty of wisdom from her transition to travel and her six years out on the road, why school is the worst place to try to be yourself, and so much more. It's all happening in this show. So no, if you are feeling like a misfit somewhere, you're not alone, my friend. That can be your superpower, and you'll hear why today. So let's get into it. Buckle up, strap in. Thanks for being here, and welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. You're listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey, what's up? It's Jason with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show. Thanks for hanging out, letting me bring a little travel into your ears today. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience. Thanks for being here, my friend, and I hope as this is hitting your ears, you're feeling good and things are well with you. I've got to shout out to somebody in this community I want to share. and This is a good example of somebody who found their passion, found something they loved, lived it, succeeded at it, and then got derailed. And instead of just giving up, use that as an opportunity to pivot and to create a life of travel. So I, I'm just so inspired by the story and all of these stories that I get in the community. So please, if you haven't gotten in touch yet, drop me a line. Jason at zerototravel.com is my email. And you can also leave me a voice message in by just clicking that link in the show notes. Also, be sure to stick around after the interview segment because I want to talk about this idea of embracing the misfit within Something that I had a hard time doing myself, and when I finally did that, let go a bit, things got way easier, and maybe some of that story will resonate with you, so I just want to share a little bit on the back end around the theme and some of the topics that come up in this conversation with Wanda. Now, without further ado, let's slip and slide into the interview segment, and I'll see you on the other side, my friends. You've done a few of these things, right? Couple. <laughs> how many podcasts do you have out now? How many episodes like, or yeah, shows? How, how many do you think you've recorded in your life? Recorded um, maybe 120. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe that. How do you like the podcasting? It's cute. Um, it is an opportunity to connect. It's an avenue I've used to have the conversations that are important to me. Um, and it's staying true to my roots. So I have a, a degree in radio TV production. So yeah, that's all of that. We have that in common. I actually studied communications in college as well. I think all of the, I mean, podcasts didn't exist when I went to college. Right. That's it was just radio. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it was just NPR and their shows, right? Yeah. But it's kind of funny because I was thinking about it pretty recently. And I'm like, wow, I'm actually using my degree. <laughs> Isn't that kind of rare in this day and age now? And a couple other people's on top of that. But yes. <laughs> yes. Well, can I give you a little introduction here, if you don't mind? Yeah, sure. I'd like to do that. 
My guest today has been working and slow traveling as a digital nomad since 2016. She is the founder of Black Women Travel, where she is a community manager, a podcaster, and an event producer. You can learn more at blackwomentravel.com, and that's T-R-A-V-L. I'll leave that link in the show notes. Today, we'll hear the story behind how and why she left her career to pursue a life of travel, get her advice on making that transition to travel yourself, expert tips on community building. We're going to talk about some up-and-coming nomad hotspots, hear why she got kicked out of a country recently, and much more. So I'm thrilled to have her here, Wanda Duncan. Welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. I love your <laughs> podcast voice. <laughs> love how you put that on. That's great. You know, it's it's this microphone that's this, that's doing. No, the work. there's there's some diaphragm action happening. Listen, there. you know, I have to like read the intro because I could pre-record the intro, but I'm like, you know what? I want to I want to pump Wanda up too. Yeah. You know, you got a lot going who, on here. Who you tell me who I am? That's you have amazing. a lot. I can't do that. You're here to do that for us, right? <laughs> <laughs> Since you have so much going on, one of the things I do want to talk about is, well, there's a lot around sort of balance and travel and business and all that stuff. But I always think it's nice to kind of get a sense of where you came from, like where, where you grew up. And I know you were the 10th child and the sixth girl in your family, a big family. Just want to hear a little, about, a little bit about your experience growing up. Were you exposed to travel? What was life like for you? So I grew up in Southern Illinois in a town that you can only describe by referencing other larger cities. <laughs> so, so St. Louis, Missouri um, was two hours away from where I grew up. Chicago is what, six, seven? It depends on how heavy your foot is, right? So Chicago, super north. So I'm Southern Illinois, um, 10th child, sixth girl. But it was only me and my two older brothers that were in the house because everybody else was grown and gone. Right. And we didn't travel like at all. I took myself on my first trips. I had a sister that lived down in Florida and like I drove all the way down there and my Toyota Camry hit the beach on the way down. Cause it would be my first time seeing the beach and, you know, spent some time with her. And my first flight was actually to Atlanta where I later ended up moving. Um, which was the biggest move I had made since going to my next town over for college, right? So yeah, that's that's what the travel life was like growing up. Yeah, you kept it pretty close to home then, even going yeah. to university, huh? Well, Illinois, Atlanta, there's some hours. <laughs> there's some hours involved. You went to yeah. school in Atlanta. No, no, no. The next town over was college and then the move the first move was Atlanta. So, okay, yes. yeah, and so the the early travel experiences was really just you taking yourself to visit siblings. It sounds like it yeah, on the floor. Yeah, was there a defining moment for you where you were like, "Oh, this travel thing is this is pretty incredible," or was it just sign of a slow burn? Like you started taking some trips and realizing it was something you were excited about. I'm guessing you're excited about it because you're living the nomad life. So. <laughs> You must be pretty into travel, right? Caught fire at some point. Yeah. <laughs> so that trip to the beach, like literally, like I just mapped it out. I, I think I was using like an actual paper map <laughs> or like printed out MapQuest or something like that. Um, and that was just amazing. That was my first foray with something that was bigger than me. 
I'd always, you know, there's this thing, I think a lot of travelers feel like this feeling of being different. And I'm doing some writing to explore what that looks like um, these days. But having having an audience with the ocean and being with something that was so giant, I feel the same way about my mountains. It's so giant. It's so much bigger. And it just speaks to like how I feel inside, I think. So I think that when I drove all the way down there, those hours upon hours by myself, my first like big girl trip, I guess you could say, it was, it it impacted me. Like, I'll never forget that. I'll never forget sitting there. Like I brought, <laughs> like I brought stuff to do. I was like, okay, I'm going to be at the beach. Let me bring some reading and like magazines or like whatever. And I just fell asleep. Like <laughs> I just absolutely fell asleep just being in the comfort of that kind of environment. You mentioned kind of doing some writing now, exploring you know, how travel maybe makes us different and what, what that means. What are some of the conclusions you've come to so far? And it sounds like you're kind of something you've been pondering recently. So I'm curious where you're at today. Yeah. So the the thing I'm exploring is that, and I want to get this published too. So definitely look out for the article, but in a place where you're supposed to fit in and a place where you're born into and you don't, traveling gives you the opportunity to feel at ease because wherever you go, you're not supposed to fit in there. That's not your culture. That's not your language. That's not your anything, not your waters. So you can immediately feel at more ease because that expectation that you have of yourself, which is often silent, is is gone. You get to remove that. So you get to just be, you get to just breathe and you just exist in your skin as you are without that. And I think that's huge. There's no expectation to fit in essentially is what you're saying. Well, you're in Albania right now, right? So I'm just going to go on a hunch here and assume you don't speak Albanian. Not well. (laughs) Yeah. And then that adds another element I feel like, because when you're in a foreign country and you don't speak the language, then all of that sort of talk around you becomes almost just ambient noise. And you don't, because you don't understand what's going on. You can't eavesdrop. You can't like, I, I find that I've been in my own head a lot as a traveler being in places where I don't, if I'm by myself and I'm just on my own, you don't really know what's going on around you. <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm supposed to say it like this, but it's almost like being culturally autistic. There are things happening and you are not sure what's happening. So you find yourself paying attention to the body language. You find yourself paying attention to the inflection And it's like, why are they yelling? And it's like, they're not yelling. They're just like talking to each other like this is normal or understanding the relationships between people. You know, you see your the grandparents with the grandkids and stuff like that. So I think you just start to pay attention a lot more to what's happening because you have no idea like how that culture expresses love, how that culture, um, what their attitude is towards money and religion and politics and all this other stuff towards between men and women, if you want to stick to the whole binary thing. So yes, all of that. And through uh, some of these experiences you've had without all the stuff that you're pondering that no expectation of fitting in, has that revealed anything to you about yourself that was unexpected? No, like I think we have this sense of who we are, but it is a matter of being comfortable with that 
no matter the circumstances. And so if you are raised in a specific situation, which we all are, then often it is hard to see yourself because you have a lot of outside input into who you are. You know, there's the lightweight or heavyweight bullying that you deal with growing up, coming from your family or at school, which like school is the worst place to try and be yourself, right? <laughs> it's like it's, it's horrible. Like nobody can teach you how to be yourself. And you have all these other people who have no idea what's going on. And so they form these groups around superficial identities. But those are, if, if you never grow beyond high school, like those things are recreated in the workplace. Like, so you're, you're constantly dealing with people who may or may not be grounded and rooted in themselves. And so, and, and your parents probably weren't like, they're just trying to feed kids and stuff, right? Like we know as adults, what it means to be an adult. You think it's all great and you have this freedom, but then like, you also have this responsibility. Um, and so it's amazing when you add that travel element, because you can get out of that circumstance. So you could start to see yourself. You can start to connect and possibly even be with yourself more. There are plenty of people who travel and never go anywhere. Maybe we can talk a little bit about where you were at before travel because you worked at CNN and lived in Atlanta for 12 years, right? Just from my research. Talk about your time in Atlanta. How, what did you do at CNN? How many years were you there? Sort of like your pre- digital nomad life. I'm, I'm curious, what led up to, to this? What was your life like leading up to, to the life you live now? I left my hometown because I just had it in my mind. I, I remember like walking home, the bus drops you off at like the top of the street and like you walk home, I'm walking home. And I'm thinking to myself, like, I have to get out of here. <laughs> like I can't stay here. And grades are going to be my only way out. And so I just made sure to try and be really smart or like do well on tests, like whatever that needed to look like for people to give me an opportunity to get out. So I went to college and then after college, the next town over wasn't far away enough. It was like half an hour away from my hometown. And I was applying for positions and ended up in Atlanta. I didn't go to Atlanta to work at CNN. I found CNN when I moved to Atlanta, <laughs> which is super backwards because for a lot of people, CNN is the pinnacle of their career. It is It often offers better perks than local news. So I have a degree in radio TV production and I wound up there. I'm not exactly sure how still. And did the entry level thing and then did the getting a promotion and then found myself getting cut up. So I experienced a personal loss. I was doing really well. And my mother and my sister passed away six days apart. And as a young person in a corporate setting, it was the worst. Like I didn't have a mentor to like help me guide through. So like I took some time off of work. And came back still shattered and ran into all kinds of problems where who I am was becoming even more of a separation or shift or like it just highlight that I was not a good quote unquote cultural fit at that company. People would have a, a problem and I would confront them about the problem that they had with me that they would be passive aggressive about. 
um, this is like directors, mainly directors, because those are that's who I was mainly working with in the control room. And, you know, I'm going to HR thinking that something is going to happen. I'm going to my supervisor thinking something is going to happen. I'm finding no support at any level and just learning about corporate the hard way, right? (laughs) HR is not for you. HR is never for you. HR is to protect the interests of the company. Um, Even when I was dealing with harassment from my boss, there there was a specific moment where I'm talking to her about the issues that I'm having. I was in a a busy part of the the work day. So like New York handles the early mornings, LA handles the evenings, Atlanta handles middle day, right? So super busy and I needed to be moved to another schedule. And she said that she thought about that, but she never took action to support me with that. She was new in her semi-defense the, she's not the person who hired me. She her, herself had just gotten promoted. So anyway, I, I'm i trying to talk to her about this and something is happening there. That's not quite clear because in corporate, like nobody just comes right out and tells you. This is something that we have in Black culture. I don't know that it exists in other culture, but it's like a real talk moment. Like, hey, like real talk. This is what's actually happening. Like that just never happened. And I have no idea what's going on. So there was a schedule bid where... There's a specific number of schedule. Let's say there's 13. There's way more than that. But you put your preferences for what you want on there. So out of one through 13, where do you rate each of these schedules? She gave me my 13th choice. <laughs> she gave me my very last choice. She assigned that schedule to me. And that was the last time that I went to HR. And I was like, she's clearly retaliating. Like, what are you going to do? And the HR representative was like, wow, that's that's something. So how can I help you? And it was like, no, there's nothing. I quit. Like, no, there's nothing you can do. I quit and I went to El Salvador. I went to go volunteer. I started my that was 2010. So I started my travel journey then um, as something that I was going towards. I wasn't really prepared Like I was semi-prepared, but not like super prepared. Not like I was prepared when I left in 2016. So so that's what happened. I said, this is not for me. This has not been for me for some time. There's something else out there for me. And I want to go experience that. And what does that look like? And right now, this is semi what it looks like. So, you know, I'm giving up my sweet Toyota Camry (laughs) and my condo uh, in downtown Atlanta and figuring that part out. Hmm. And the choice was to go volunteer in El Salvador. Yeah. How did you come to that? Well, I tried to get a job in Iceland first because I just hear they have a really lovely artist community. So I was interested in that. Um, But it was just down to what opportunities were open. I think I went to idealist.org. Idealist.org has a bunch of nonprofits and who are looking for, you know, support. And so I found a nonprofit through there that just happened to be in El Salvador. I didn't choose that specific country. So yeah, just putting feelers out there for projects that I was interested in working on. And that's the one that came through. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by U.S. Bank. Recently, I went out for tacos and it wasn't even Friday. Yes, we have Taco Friday in Norway. 
not Taco Tuesday. Well, more importantly, I could have earned rewards for every scrumptious bite of those chorizo soft shells. Introducing the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points when you go out for dining or order takeout and restaurant delivery, including tacos. Plus, you can earn two times points when you shop for or order your groceries, two times points when you need to fill up or charge up at gas stations and EV charging stations. You're even rewarded with two times points just for your favorite streaming services. Go to usbank.com slash altitude. Go! To learn more about how you can earn 20,000 bonus points worth $200 if you spend $1,000 in the first 90 days of opening your account. Win big with the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Visit usbank.com slash Altitude Go to apply. Limited time offer. The creditor and issuer of this card is U.S. Bank National Association pursuant to a license from Visa USA Inc. Some restrictions may apply. This episode of Zero to Travel is presented by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. From muddy jungle paths and snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder has the capability to take you to some of the most epic destinations on Earth. We're excited to partner with Nissan because our listeners know we love to celebrate the joy of exploring the world and finding the best off-the-beaten-path destinations to visit. And there's no better vehicle for that than the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys, and it even has the best towing capacity in its class, up to 6,000 pounds, so you can bring the fun with you. But Nissan also knows that it's not just about where you go. In a Pathfinder, the real fun comes from getting there, and that's something we love celebrating here on the Zero to Travel podcast. We believe that life is about finding that joy within the journey itself, and that's why We're thrilled to partner with Nissan to celebrate adventurers everywhere. So thanks again to Nissan for sponsoring this episode of Zero to Travel and for the reminder to chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures and enjoy the ride along the way. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Now let's get back to the show. It's funny, like in the U.S. culture, it is, you know, when you're younger, I think from the outside looking in, at least for me growing up at the time, it seemed like, well, the corporate thing, like, well, once you get there, that's like the place you're supposed to be, right? That's the the kind of the the right thing to do or whatever. But as you mentioned, then you get in and like there's that's a whole environment that's and of course every corporation's run differently and everybody's got a different vibe and everything. And the world's changed a lot. But even still, yeah, it's a big realization to kind of be like, you know, this corporate thing, whatever, in any way, shape, or form really isn't for me. Because that kind of closes the door on that whole, you know, because you could have just kept your condo in your car and found another job or whatever. But you're like, no, I'm just going completely a different way, basically, right? Was there any hesitation getting rid of like all of your sort of worldly possessions, if you will, and just like cutting the cord on that for good? Like, were you pretty confident in that? And I want to hear your thoughts and experiences at the time and also maybe get a little advice for people that are maybe debating that. So I wish I had gotten rid of all my worldly possessions. <laughs> I got a storage unit. Yeah. Don't get a storage unit. Don't get a storage <laughs> unit. I would not recommend <laughs> 10 out of 10 would yeah. not recommend it. Um, so I did have a storage unit and a friend kept my car like in her front yard. There was no hesitation There was no, I can't do this. I don't know how to figure that out. It was very much a decision. It was very much a choice to say, 
I want to give myself an opportunity to to see what this looks like. I didn't have a study abroad experience. I didn't have tons of international trips under my belt. I didn't even have a whole lot of local travel, just like a little bit um, up to that point where I traveled up and down the coast a little bit and maybe out to California. So it was a grounded decision I was making to say, this is how I want my life to look. And I want to see where this goes. And I'm going to give myself the opportunity to explore that. It was very much that advice for anyone else. You really have to cut all the noise out. I think some of it is self-doubt, but some of it is, you know, people have families that they're concerned about. People are concerned about what it will look like to fail more than what it is to go through failure. Because I did fail like that 2010 trip. (laughs) It ended with me right back in Atlanta, you know. Why did you consider that a failure? Well, because I didn't, that wasn't, that wasn't the goal, Jason. <laughs> like I wasn't, I wasn't trying to go right back. Um, it was nine months. It was nine blissful months. Well, nine turbulent blissful months. <laughs> it was just life. You know how it happens. You choose something and there's going to be turbulence no matter what. That's just life, I think. So, but where do you want to experience it? And I'd rather experience it creating life through my own choices versus feeling obligated in any way, shape or form to anything or anyone aside from myself. So that's what I would say instead of for, for the advice piece, instead of looking from the outside in, consider your journey from the inside out and, and how that's going to be impactful for you. You're fully nomadic now, right? Like you don't really live anywhere. You're just traveling around, but you, uh, at that time you came back to Atlanta you said you became a nomad in 2016, right? So between El Salvador and coming back, what was what were those years for you? Was it was it back settled? Was it more travel? What what It was so sad. They were just sad. I was like, "Man, I'm flighty. Like maybe I just need to sit down. Everybody else seems to be well-adjusted human beings with their jobs and their whatever friends and family and stuff. Like, why can't you have that too? And so I tried that. I, that's what that time period was about for me. Like, well, let me just sit down. Like maybe that's not for me. And then I was doing some stuff to keep my brain activated while I was there, while I put myself in that situation. I started a, (laughs) I started a music startup. It was called Stage Huddle. Because I was very interested, like I love music, and I was interested in empowering musicians. And I was throwing some live shows and I was trying to get some tech built. I actually had a app in the uh, Apple app store and I did that. I produced events. Uh, I did a music hack. So it's like you have idea people, you have designers and then you have the back-end developers. They come together and produce something over a weekend. And you have judges that rate, you know, choose a winner out of the best ideas. So it was specifically for the music uh, industry. Um, hackathons are like, they do them for everything. So anyway, like I did the first one there in Atlanta. And I did travel around a little bit. Like I went to South by Southwest and Texas and like there was a music technology, some some I went to in DC. So I did travel around just a little bit. 
But it was mostly like me having a conversation with myself about, again, like, what does this look like? So you know how sometimes you're in that relationship and like, it's okay. It's not, it's not that bad. And that's very much what that was. It's like, Atlanta's not that bad. It's not that bad. It's like, I can make this work. I can make this work. Like I have this over here and I have that over there and I'm doing this and that. And it's like, no girl, you just need to break up. <laughs> it's not fulfilling. She's not giving what she's supposed to have gave. Like, and that's, and that's what it is. No matter what I did there, it was never fulfilling enough. It was never, it was never hitting the spot. And so that's when, again, I made a decision and you know how I am, Jason, <laughs> once I make a decision, it's over. So I gave myself a year. And in that year I saved about $10,000 and I was just hitting the blogs. I was hitting whatever resources I could find to figure out how people were making their travel sustainable. I rocked up on house sitting and figured out what I was going to pack. I really got rid of all my stuff that time. And I left. Wow. <laughs> and that was the last time you left, right? That I haven't was, seen yeah. her since. Bye, wow. America. <laughs> Have a nice life. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. During that time too, you know, kind of coming back and, and saying, I, I can't remember the exact words you, you were you used, but you're like, Hey, well, look, you know, everybody else is doing this. They're well adjusted. I can be too. And people like us that are kind of sort of nomadic or into travel, long-term travel, kind of want to may maybe live a more unconventional life for lack of a better term, right? Like it's not sort of the status quo thing. I do think there can be that period where you sort of beat yourself up like, shame on me for wanting to like, who am I to, you know, want to live differently in that way? Or, you know, these, these people are doing it. So I, it should be okay for me too. Like, why can't I just fit into the regular thing? It's why do we beat ourselves up like that? It's just normal. Like it's self-policing. Like we grow up with that. There's so much dialogue you have inside yourself about what is and what isn't. And if you don't measure up, to that particular ruler, then you're going to judge yourself. Your teeth aren't straight enough. Your hair's not whatever. Your face isn't organized correctly. <laughs> your body shape, your muscle mass, like your toes even. If, if that second one is longest, like, oh man, people are going to think I'm aggressive. Like, so. Wait, is that what that means? Because yeah, my second toe is longer Google than it, my bro. first toe. <laughs> Google it. That's like a thing oh, that no. people say. Yeah. <laughs> So it's just like there's there's so many measurement sticks and a lot of it is unconscious and it's just messaging that we're constantly receiving. And if you don't take it out of your head, you have to be aware of it in order to do anything about it. So if you don't take it out of your head, then you're always going to think that you're not enough, that whatever you want is not right. Yeah. I think a lot of it can stem from, as we're talking about it, I'm just thinking about where can those feelings come from? And I think a lot of it comes from putting yourself in that comparison game, right? Like in comparing yourself to either the society you're supposed to, you know, other people that are fitting into the society you're supposed to fit into or what other people are doing. And, you know, why can't I be more like that as opposed to maybe just being more in tuned with our intuition, let's say, or just, you know, checking in with ourselves. It's like, all right, well, 
you know, let's forget, like you said it best, like forget the noise, right? In some ways, like, well, who are, who am I? Like, what, what is it that I want? What can I contribute to the world? Let me just kind of go with that and not worry about all the other BS, right? <laughs> and there's a lot of it, but again, it, it has to come from that awareness. It's like what you were saying before, if you're in a country and you don't speak the language and sometimes it becomes ambient noise and it's the same thing with all of the messaging that we receive. Sometimes it, it is the noise, but we don't recognize it as such just because you're used to it being there. Like you literally grow up with that. <laughs> so so it it does. It takes quite a bit of awareness to take a step back and say, what is me and what is the world? Have you done anything like consciously to foster that awareness for yourself? I mean, I do a lot. <laughs> Have I done anything? It's more leaning towards what haven't I done at this point? I've explored a bunch of stuff. Um, I used to read quite a bit. I say used to because it's just been harder as a nomad and not believing and carrying books. <laughs> like I had to give myself permission to like buy a notebook the other day and like start journaling again because I just needed to write versus trying to digitize my entire life. So <laughs> um, I used to read quite a bit. And I think because I opened myself up to connect with people who weren't within my vicinity, when you are different, then you are constantly seeking community, I think. And so I found my community in books when I was younger. I mean, even as traveling, that's not necessarily meaning you're going to connect with other people. Even the internet doesn't make you necessarily connect with other people who share the same values, have interesting perspectives that pull different pieces out of you. So I think my relationship with reading and maybe just cultivating curiosity, I think, has helped me to hone the vision of myself to yeah. To see myself accurately, I guess. Yeah. Let's talk about community. You mentioned it. Of course, you build community as a business owner and as a as a human. And you've also <laughs> find community, right? As a as a traveler, I'm sure, you know, uh, getting plugged into maybe the, the nomadic community or I kind of want to hear a little bit of your thoughts, first of all, just around community and then get some of your advice and like, you know, just speak uh, about the importance of it to you. And I'd love to hear your tips on sort of building community and getting plugged in and, and having that, especially as a traveler, somebody that's living all over the world. Community for me has meant everything. It has meant being able to make this life sustainable because we need that connection, particularly as nomads. It's so important to be able to be around people who have the same idea as you and who are doing things just a little bit differently because sometimes it can impact how you do things too, right? Like, you know, the tips and tricks and stuff, but definitely the support I think is the most valuable because when you do want something different than mainstream, then having other people who want that too, <laughs> like it just, it makes it lighter. So it's not just you out here trying to create something from nothing in your own way, because that's essentially what you do. Like there's so many people that do it. Everybody does it a different way. You can take the exact same, whatever methods 
and hand it to the next person and they can execute it perfectly. And you're just going to get different results just because you're a different person, just because people respond to you differently. And so when you have community, it helps to make that so much sweeter than just you trying to figure everything out on your own. Hmm. Yeah. I love what you said there about just kind of everybody's going to do it uniquely. It's always a great reminder, I think, for all of us when we get into a new thing. And so it's, I think it's natural to, you know, what music sound like you start as podcast or something at, and then you look at all the podcasts out there and you're like, what do I have to add to the conversation? You know, all these things have been said, or there's podcasts like this, there's 20 podcasts, you know, but then like you said, it's not, but it, you didn't do it. It's special because it's you, right? It make, it's what makes everything unique. I don't know. I don't know who came up with the snowflake thing, but it's absolute crap. (laughs) Like it just is because like literally I'm telling you listening right now, I've been all around the world and I've never met anybody just like you. It's impossible. There's too many factors that go into how you were, how you were raised, what you were raised around that make you see things just a little bit differently. If you think of all the music that's out there, if somebody's like making music from their heart, it's just not going to sound the same as anybody else around the world. The same with any any type of creation under the sun. Because you are who you are and embracing how you are different from people, right? That is going to create a whole different whatever it is that you make than anybody else. And so do it. (laughs) Like even when people are talking about oversaturation and all this other stuff, like there's just a lot of messaging we get. Oh, the market's oversaturated. Oh, everybody thinks they're such a snowflake. And it's like, yeah, yeah, you actually are. But who cares about a market? Because whoever is for you is going to find you. Nobody finds that one person and just rides that out for the rest of their lives. First of all, there's new generations. And second of all, like even you think about the influences that you have. Like maybe you started off with Tim Ferriss, but maybe you switched to Chris Gilliabo or like whatever that looks like for you, you know, Um, because you just need people. People speak to you differently at different stages in your life. So get out there, go get, go get you some of this entrepreneurship. (laughs) (laughs) And let's talk about your work in community, building community. And, you know, you get to be that for other people in that stage of their life. Right. And how does that, how does that feel for you and what what is a as a leader as a community leader and for other people that are maybe interested in in leading the charge right like not just maybe being a part of community but being like hey you know what i have the desire to kind of rally the community you know what what advice would you give yeah do that <laughs> do it <laughs> i love that just come back to do it <laughs> but like it it also comes with seeing yourself because sometimes there can be outward validation that you're looking for. That's something that you'll run into in entrepreneurship anyway. There's this sweet spot of, yes, you have to put yourself out there in the world and whatever it is that you're selling, as it were, even if it is community and the part where people have to accept or reject and not taking the rejection personally, but also not needing the validation for you personally, right? So it's like, yes, the business is doing well. People are listening to the podcast or people are joining the community and this is good. And keeping like a nice little space between the project, the work and yourself as a human being. Um, Because if you're caught up in the validation, then 
the community just won't be healthy, right? Because you're looking at metrics, you're looking at other things that don't directly translate to the quality and the messaging in the community. Um, but yes, create your community because other people are probably looking for it and they might not be the ones who create it. If you have even an inkling of a desire to do it, do that. How do you get started? How do you get people to find you? You got to pull the trigger. You got to pick a platform. (laughs) You got to pick a platform and pour into that. So I started with a Facebook group and a community can be rallied anywhere. So you just have to choose where you want that rallying spot to be. Um, Twitter Spaces is doing some really interesting things. It also depends on like where your people hang out normally too. And so it just takes some testing, maybe a bit of testing. Where are you getting some attention? Where are you getting some hits? Where are people vibing with what it is you're putting out? So you have to put stuff out there. I, I make an analogy to like being a lighthouse. So the lighthouse at night, super useful, right? <laughs> you have this light that's telling you where the shore is. And so that's what you're doing with your messaging. You're sending out hopefully a consistent message about who you are and what you're about and what you love to offer and giving people the opportunity to row ashore to become a part of whatever it is you have going on. And if they go by you, then you just let that go. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. Uh, I'm always unsure. Is it an analogy or a metaphor? (laughs) Whichever one it is, I love it. Especially the the part you just said, because I imagine the ocean and I just think like, yeah, that sounds, that sounds much nicer than rejection, right? They just float, sort of float away to the next lighthouse, right? That's that's the work you have to do. There's a lot of internal work you have to do when it comes to putting your stuff out there because rejection is a part of it, but it's not some, like who took, who took a class on rejection? Like how to deal with rejection? No one. You internalize it. You think you're a bad person. You think that your stuff is not good enough. You think it's too expensive or whatever it is that you think about. And so if you, you're hampering your own ability to show up fully because you're not confident in what it is that you're doing. You just have to be like, it's their problem and like, let it go. It's not their, their problem. It is their choice, right? They have other stuff that they have to do. Let them go do it and just focus on the people who are either already here or who are similar, who would be down if they could find you. Yeah. It's a bit tied into like worth, right? Self-worth. I I know you you have a quote here. Must have grabbed it from your website, I think, or maybe one of our email exchanges. You said, uh, and making money how you choose as another way is another way that we get to know ourselves and grow personally to do the work it takes to put ourselves out there and put a price tag on it. That's quite a, a journey I've found putting yourself out there in the first place. And, and sometimes continually, it can be tough. Was that ever a struggle for you? Did it come naturally to you or was it, was there some resistance at first? And how did you overcome that if so? There, like I still feel very much in that <laughs> to this day because the community that I'm happy to to be a steward of is not where I want it to be. And I'm trying to understand why 
<laughs> like, why is it like this? And how can I transform it and make it really juicy and lovely and wonderful? And some of that comes with empowering the people who are already a part of the community. I think how I've gotten through that is, is trying to think through it. So just coming, arriving to this place where I'm like, okay, empowerment. And what does that look like? Also being a part of other people's communities and being active in other people's communities, it helps you to get a sense of what you like, what you don't like, what, how you can improve. If you are creating in the quote unquote silo, then oftentimes you're not exposing yourself to other ways that it can work because we have our ideas, right? But I mean, the world is giant and that's why also, um, Gleaning from other industries even is great because, you know, travel, 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 but maybe like you need to go see what they're doing over in automotive. Maybe you need to see what's going on in automation. Um, what Pixar is doing, like, I don't know, but. Yeah. Just getting inspiration from other sources outside of your own sort of circle, right? Uh, which is always, I think, a great way to bring creativity to your work. I find that really inspiring kind of. Yeah, taking some seemingly unrelated thing and being like, hey, maybe that'll work in my thing. You know, if I just put a little twist on it, I love that. We'll be right back. Would you love to have an incredible cup of coffee every day? I've tried it all. I've done the pour over. I've done the French press. But I tasted an AeroPress coffee many years ago. And immediately I was sold. I had to get one. AeroPress is a patented three-in-one brew technology. This combines the flavor benefits of espresso, pour-over, and French press all into one compact portable device built for travel or home. I love things you can use in both places. This device has over 55,000 five-star reviews in over 60 countries. AeroPress is the best-reviewed coffee press on the planet. I've owned one for so many years, I don't even remember how long it's been. And they are under 50 bucks so they also make an exceptional gift, thoughtful, proven, tasty, and travel-oriented. Who wouldn't love that? Now, you get 20% off just for being a listener of this show at aeropress.com slash zero to travel. That's aeropress, A-E-R-O-P-R-E-S-S dot com slash zero to travel. That will save you 20% on checkout. Thanks to Aeropress for supporting today's show. Hey, it's Jason here. Did you know you are invited to join the first ever Zero to Travel community trip? Yes, we're planning a trip together. We're headed to Morocco November 30th through December 9th. And you can get all the details at zerototravel.com slash trip. It's open for booking now. We have 13 spots left at the time of this recording. And you have until the end of March to book. So if you're interested in traveling with an amazing community, this community, a small group of people, on an incredible journey through Morocco together with me. Sign up over there at zerototravel.com slash trip to get all the details. Thanks for listening and hope to see you there. Now, back to the show. Okay, you've got a lot going on, as I mentioned at the top. I mean, like the community, the podcast, you got the event stuff. I mean, you're doing incredible work. And it's a lot, I'm sure, to do. And then you're traveling, which adds a whole other element. I don't think people that have maybe not done the nomad thing or sort of travel from place to place perpetually. Um, there's a, there are a lot of challenges that come with that. So I, my big question around that is just your best piece of advice for getting things done on the road without burning yourself out or driving yourself crazy. Cause you have a lot going on. 
I love naps. I love taking naps or sleeping in one or the other. Because if you do both, then (laughs) which maybe you should do both and making time to do both some days. And with self-care, like because it can look different for everybody, I like to be specific about how it looks for me. We think that things have to be so big often and they just really don't. So for me, it's as simple as getting out of my apartment. (laughs) That is giant. Because if I'm here, like more than likely I'm on my phone or on my laptop or whatever it is, not unplugging. So I found that getting out of my apartment helps so much to just give me a, a nice pause. I found myself, so, you know, with the pandemonium, the Panda Express, the Panini, um, I've been keeping to myself and staying inside. I allowed myself to go outside one day and I just kind of never came back in. (laughs) So like there's a huge cafe culture here where I can go get like a magnificent cappuccino or a really nice cup of tea. And I will stare out into the nothingness that is life. And it is so magnificent. It's so amazing. I do not remember consciously doing this anywhere else, but I just sit there lavishly, like luxuriating in nothingness of drinking something and just being. Like there's this nice park and like I found my friend. He's a dog. He's a very good boy. And like he chases his ball and brings it back and he doesn't bother anybody. And he's just like really cool. So like, I'll go watch him. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that. I wanted to hear the story. You mentioned getting kicked out of Malaysia. What happened? (laughs) So Malaysia is a shysty little something, something. You know, we are our guests in these countries. I think people found that out more than ever this year when people were rejecting entire passport holders <laughs> from entering their borders. So this is a cute, cute reminder, like, hey, you're a visitor here. Um, they'd been great. I was there when the when the pandemonium started. So they were really cool. They sent out all these announcements. Hey, even if your visa's expired, we get it. Countries are closed. Hang out. Don't worry about it. Whenever the movement control order is lifted, that's when we'll give you all two weeks to go about your business. I trusted them and I forgot how governments work. (laughs) So everything was fine. March 2020, all the way up through April 2021, when I'm scrolling on Facebook and I see something that made me go find the announcement. So I find out on a Friday they made an announcement the previous Monday that I needed to leave by next Wednesday. So even if they had lived up to their promise, that was like a week and a couple days, right? Like seven, eight, nine days <laughs> to leave the country. The reason that they gave was there's uh, gambling and sex work happening and people are abusing their visas. I wasn't doing either, but apparently I was... <laughs> grouped in with all the rest of them if anybody else was actually doing that. So it it literally came out of nowhere. And so, yeah, that's what happened with that. They just asked people with the tourist visa to leave or pay the penalty, which was also very unclear. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Tell me about, about 
Albania, and this is where I wanted to get into sort of the digital nomad hotspots, I guess. It's a, whatever you want to call it. Some people where some of the nomads are starting to congregate. And I think this is an up and coming one. I've heard so many good things about Albania, but I haven't been. However, I have heard that it's not sort of overrun with people yet. It's it's still a little bit on the, maybe not totally on the DL, but more of an, I guess, in the up and coming category. Talk about your experience there so far. How do you how do you like it? Where are you? Tell us a bit about your your life there right now. So um, I was looking for places to go and Albania had kind of never closed. <laughs> it's like during the yeah, whole. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So they are open and they also give Americans a year, which is oh, wow. amazing. Okay. Is that so part like, of a sort of like a remote work digital nomad kind of thing no, or just in general? You just in general. Yeah. So there's no paperwork. You just stroll wow, through the airport stamp and they're like, bam, stay you don't even home. get stamped. It's a no, no, they wow. you have to ask for a stamp. Like it's a scan situation here. So you just roll through. They give you a year. Um, apparently, we're helping them with corruption in their government, which is laughable but thanks for the year um (laughs) kettle pot um Mm -hmm. so yeah uh i that's why i chose here it was between albania and georgia because georgia has the same setup yeah okay because i do you like it i mean how's the how's the culture and the so the food is amazing the food is so fresh i'm vegetarian and there's so many seasonal vegetables and fruits that are just so good aside from like the local dishes the lots of bread lots of cheese so i left noodles and rice for bread and cheese and i'm i have no regrets <laughs> are you staying are you staying for a year or yeah so it's, okay it's been since may uh, okay yeah stay so till you're april yeah really set up there and not just you know you're not there for a month or two you're yeah no uh, I, but i chose I chose it for that reason. I'm not trying to move around a whole lot during these disparaging times. <laughs> so, right. Well, how has it been to be in one place for that long for you? Well, I was in Malaysia for like a similar. Okay. Okay. I'm not, I've, I'm, I'm a traveler that's more focused on, since I'm a slow traveler, I'm more focused on connecting. So like being somewhere for an amount of time doesn't bother me. I think it's wonderful. I mean, yeah, t- talk about some of the, I guess, the advantages to that. Like, what 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 has that allowed you to do as opposed to like things you could don't think would have happened, let's say, if you were traveling faster? So, usually, like, we get Americans get maybe three months on a visa. Uh, if you don't have to move as much, then you have more time to let your mind settle. When you're moving around, you're figuring out groceries, you're figuring out like depending like your accommodation and all that type of stuff. So when you're in a place for more than three months, you don't have to deal with so much mental drag and adjusting to somewhere new, which helps you to be able to focus on the work. So that's also why it doesn't bother me too much. I had a whole bunch of changes that were coming through um, this year. so. I needed to sit down <laughs> and just like work. Um, but like it's mountainous. It's so gorgeous. It's one giant mountain. There are clear water, clear waters when you go to some of the, um, to some of the beaches here, which are really dope. There are some nomads. It is not necessarily set up to nomad, like short term accommodation is not as 
clearly accessible. There's also the language thing. So, you know, Albania was overrun with communism for 40 years and some people's parents were imprisoned. So like you see the effects of it still these days. But overall, I would say they're kind. Um, I'm still trying to figure out what that looks like exactly. They're not the nice kind of people. When you look at them, they smile. They're very expressionless in that. If you speak to them, they open up. <laughs> uh, they, they have a reputation for just like being really friendly. And I don't know why. Why? Because there, it takes a touch or two to get them to warm up to you. Um, but they're very like, they have a lot of traditions as a culture, very re- heavy on the respect, heavy on the being seen in public and how you are seen in public kind of thing. Yeah. Do you have any specific destinations you kind of recommend to people that are more into the slow travel mindset? So cities uh, seem to be a bit easier because there might be a larger English speaking population, which makes it, which makes it easier for you to find a place. So Tirana is the capital. Saranda is another really popular destination, which is all the way at the South on the beach. Tirana is like just in the middle of the country. So you're not going to get that there. Um, there's also Duras, but I don't know that it is as popular, but it is another big city. Yeah. So, and other, yeah. other countries or, or other places around the world that you would recommend as well? Uh, I love Thailand. I loved Thailand. Um, and I loved some parts of Indonesia that I've been to. A little bit harder to make local friends because of the language barrier, unless you are learning a language. Um, but I did enjoy my time in both of those places for the most part. Can you share a, a memorable sort of travel experience that kind of encompasses what travel or nomad life means to you? Okay. So when I came to Albania, you know, I do my research. I joined the Facebook group, stuff like that. Everybody's like, just get here and people will help you to find a place. When you are a nomad, you are moving to another country, sight unseen often, (laughs) and just like relying on the internet to get you through it. It was not that simple for me. It wasn't just let me tell a couple of people, let me post in a group and I'll find a place. Um, It was much, much more difficult. Uh, I ended up going from Tirana all the way to Saranda, which is maybe a five hour bus ride to rent a place that was no longer available because while the son lived in the house with the mother. Apparently they didn't talk to each other. <laughs> so, and then like, I'm trusting another stranger to come back up North five hours just outside of Tirana um, to find a place. And, you know, he says, Oh, the place I was thinking of, like the owner is a little bit shifty. So I don't know if that's going to work. So I eventually, like I'm in a place now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have a plant. It's amazing. Um, I call her planty, but <laughs> That is what it means to be a digital nomad. This is the first time ever in my experience. Uh, people use Facebook differently and they don't post apartments on Facebook here in Albania. Um, you know, they have like Craigslist type places, you know, forums where they post stuff. But if you don't speak the language, sometimes they just hang up or like not respond to you. So, I think that's what it means to be digital nomad. You have to have a flexibility of mind. You have to have a resilience. You also have to have 
a drink because that's really, it was really stressful. <laughs> so that's what I would say. That's a story that encompasses, I think, yeah. for me. Oh, that's nomad. funny. It's like, you know, you're talking to a nomad when they're like, oh my gosh, I have a plant. This is like incredible. You know, <laughs> it's like not, you know, you can't carry those things around with you. So, well, I had a blast getting to know you today. I want to respect your time and I would love for you to just share once again, whatever you want to share here, where everybody can find your work, a little bit about what you do, anything you want to share here so people can can dive into your uh, to your work. Thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak with My you. My pleasure. You were so cool. Thank you. Um, you can find me on the internet because that's where I stay. <laughs> um, you can find me at blackwomentravel.com. That's T-R-A-V-L. As Jason mentioned earlier, blackwomentravel.com, where I have my community, I have the podcast, and I also have uh, information about a conference coming up December 4th and 5th, if you're listening to this before that. But if not, like, just go check the website out anyway and see what you're interested in. Cool. I appreciate your time. Wishing you the best of luck and hope we can stay in touch. Likewise. Thank uh-huh. you, Jason. All right. Take care. There you have it. Thank you so very much to Wanda Duncan for taking the time to come on the show, share her perspectives. And it's been great. We've been in touch since the interview. She's now in the country of Georgia. She just got there and she's doing well. So please reach out to her if you have any questions or you just want to give her some feedback about this interview. And also, you can reach out to me, as I mentioned at the top, anytime. In fact, when listeners get in touch, that makes my day. I'm going to be honest with you. If you haven't done it and you've been thinking about it, Please, just make it the day you do it. Um, You can also go to zerototravel.com to keep in touch via the newsletter. I send out a newsletter and it's a way to kind of find out what's going on off the podcast. If you like this community, you dig the vibe here on the Zero to Travel podcast. We got more going on off the pod. Sign up over there at zerototravel.com. Hop on the email list. I want to give a shout out right now to Jacob Simon. What a story Jacob has. And... He, uh, he dropped me a line, says, Thank you, Jason. My name is Jacob. I've been a listener of Zero to Travel for a few months now. Oh, you a big thank you. Goes on to say, For the first 13 years of my life or so, I was an elite U.S. team pairs figure skater. Wow. Figure skating is an inherently passionate and expressive sport, something I was able to be creative and explorative in every day. I was also lucky enough to go on free trips around the U.S. and the world competing in Grand Prix competitions and world championships. I fell in love with travel, culture, food, meeting new people, and started developing a passion for the environment. But the day came where I dislocated my right shoulder on a new lift my partner and I invented. My skating career was effectively over. While going through two years of physical therapy, I was lost and not sure what to do with my life. This is where my multi-potential lightness started to shine. I broke 42 world records, racked up millions of views online, and started a record-breaking business. I embarked on hundreds of different art projects, including melting a metal called bismuth and turning it into geometric jewelry, painting on street signs, and neon dot painting. Eventually, I started freelance writing on the side while I started a full-time job at one of the world's biggest PR agencies. Listening to your podcast inspired me to take a two and a half month sabbatical to solo travel around Israel 
Goes on to say, I had the most incredible time, saw the entire country from top to bottom, had some really bizarre adventures, including volunteering on a goat farm in the middle of the desert, a mile from the Egypt border for two weeks, hitchhiking, staying in a Europe, befriending Israeli soldiers, and so much more. During this time, I was building my freelance writing business when I had the time and the Wi-Fi to do so. I went back to my job, but just last week, I quit to pursue building a climate-focused writing business. I'm writing this lengthy email to let you know how thankful I am to you for inspiring and teaching me that I can live a location life. Headed to New York City in a few weeks with plans to travel all over the world as I continue to build this business that mixes my environmental passion with my writing expertise. I'm hooked on travel for life and definitely think that being a multi-potentialite is to blame. I have the base of my writing business down and plan to roll with the punches as I adapt and learn along the way. Thank you again, Jason. Look forward to listening to many more chats from around the world. Here's to living the dream. Best Jacob. Oh man, what an email and what a story. And uh, Jacob, I have dislocated my shoulder, both shoulders, multiple times. Man, is that painful. It is a painful, painful injury. And then it does take forever to do the physical therapy to get your shoulder back. And, you know, my shoulder is still not back. Um, Like you said, he went through two years of physical therapy. So I feel that pain, my friend. And what, what an incredible... I mean, we might have to have you on the show, Jacob. I mean, hearing about what it's like to travel around and go into the skating competitions and all of the traveling you've done get in touch, man. I'd love to chat and and be on the lookout. Maybe we can get Jacob on the show and, and share his story later. Uh, thank you very much for taking the time to write. And again, if you haven't gotten in touch yet, uh, just drop me a line and say hi if you have the chance. A couple last things before I let you go. One, I wanted to, to touch on this idea of embracing the misfit within. I think we all have a misfit within. But the problem is misfit as a word is often seen negatively. There's a negative perception around that word. I don't think it's a negative thing. In fact, to kind of tie this show together, I think this is a superpower for travelers because when you acknowledge the fact that you don't feel like you fit in to a certain way of living, a certain lifestyle, a certain corporate environment, whatever the case is, the sooner you kind of accept that and embrace your whatever weirdness, if you want to call it that, your unconventionality, I would just say embrace who you really are and what you really want. Why do we have to put labels on this like misfit and unconventional thing? This is just, this is your life. This is my life. This is our lives. And we should just accept who we are, right? Who we are in that moment, which of course is going to change. You know, I struggled with this growing up in a traditional sort of suburban setting, going to college, thinking, all right, I have this college debt. Now I have to, you know, go get a job and that's what I have to do. Finding a career touring. And, you know, years into my career, I kept thinking, well, I, you know, at some point I got to, this is just, these are for fun jobs, right? I can't just be nomadic and travel around all the time. At some point I'm going to have to get a regular job and, and settle down and do the normal thing, right? Because this isn't, this doesn't feel right. But what I was doing was fighting against my own nature when those moments would come. And eventually I overcame that. Just accept, hey, this is the way I love to live. I'm just going to keep doing this because this feels right to me. I'm going to keep taking these <laughs> random jobs and traveling around and going to all these countries and living this you know nomad lifestyle, which turned into a decade on the road. But at the time, it was happening in real time. And there were definitely times, especially earlier on and even midway through, when I was questioning what am I doing? And the only reason I was questioning it was not because I wasn't having fun or didn't feel like I was living in line with my true self. It was because 
there was something that I thought I should be doing according to maybe society, you know, some friends and family, maybe this feeling of, oh, well, I'm getting behind. Oh, these friends are starting to get married. These friends are having kids. This friend's building their career. Like, I'm not doing that, any of that stuff. I'm just doing this thing and and it must be wrong. I, I don't fit in, you know? Well, guess what? Being a misfit is a superpower as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> so embrace that because you can use that as the fuel to just accept who you are and go do the things you want to do. It's a beautiful thing. It's not a negative thing to be a misfit. And the sooner we can build an awareness around the things we feel like we, we don't fit in with or maybe aren't a fit for us, I should say, that's the other way to turn it, right? It's not that we don't fit in. It's maybe just that that structure, that way of living, that lifestyle, that way of existing, it's not that we don't fit in. It's just that it's not a fit for us. Maybe it's a fit for some people, but not for you. And that's cool. So embrace that. Embrace that misfit within. And be your, live to who you are. Live to your true self. I thank you for listening <laughs> to my thoughts around this topic. It gets me fired up. You can tell I'm getting fired up over here. All right. I will leave you with a quote. One you may have heard from Rob Slitinen. I actually haven't heard his name, but I've heard parts of this quote, variations of this quote. I think sometimes this is misattributed. But anyway, here it is. Here's to the crazy ones, the misfits, the rebels, the troublemakers, the round pegs and the square holes, the ones who see things differently. They're not fond of rules and they have no respect for the status quo. You can quote them, disagree with them, glorify or vilify them. About the only thing you can't do is ignore them because they change things. They push the human race forward, and while some may see them as the crazy ones, we see genius because the people who are crazy enough to think that they can change the world are the ones who do. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your day, and I'll see you next time. Peace and love. This podcast has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality.